Simmons fly ball shallow left back is Cosmo. He'll take it. He'll call. Oh, it's gonna drop. It falls. Miscommunication. And the bases are loaded, and Box can't believe it. They're calling it an infield fly rule. You cannot call that no, an infield fly. No way. It's too deep. He wasn't camped. Welcome to Infield Fly, episode 25. Um, ben joined as always by Blake Rochelle. It is 7:30, April 19th. Uh, we got uh, weekend coming up. Blake, how was your week? You got any big weekend plans? No, I'm working this weekend, so I'll be in the lab most of the time. Unfortunately. Gotcha. Gotcha. Any uh, games for Hampshire this past week? Yeah, we uh we took two from our closest rival, Mount Pleasant. We beat them twenty three to zero over the course of two days. Ooh. That was pretty nice. Um, they're really down this year, so I'm not gonna sit here and say you know, whipty freaking do. But when you approach uh approach the game like we did those two games with the patience that we had, I think we can beat anybody in our district. Um, then we lost last night to Hitman County. Eight to zero, but Hitman County is a pretty solid squad, and they're—I think—they're gonna do some damage in their district the rest of the way. So I'm not overly dissatisfied with how things went, yeah. but uh, certainly things can be better, but they can also be worse, as we all know. So for sure, for sure. I'm just trying to finish up a semester, a couple weeks left, and then we'll be on summer break. Um, not a lot to to, to discuss today. You know, we're kind of in a little dead period as far as most sports nhl nba playoffs are going on but neither of us are experts or really care about those that much just to be completely honest with you um so we're just going to talk mlb today we looked at the rays and the mets this week a couple teams that are playing pretty good baseball right now um but uh, before we get to them some of the other news around the major leagues um, Jacob deGrom is headed to the injury list. Blake will talk a little bit more about that probably when he d- discusses the Mets. Uh, Vlad Jr. finally going to debut on Tuesday. Finally getting out of minor league purgatory. Going to be exciting for the Blue Jays fans. Going to be exciting for everybody to watch uh, Vladdy play. Um, Tim Anderson handed a one-game suspension that I think is complete bullcrap. Uh, after his little bat flip, I think it's very hypocritical for the major leagues to promote letting the kids play. And then when one of their kids, who's having an awesome start to the season, bat flips and gets plunked, doesn't really do anything wrong. Maybe he says some stuff. Maybe he didn't. Didn't fight anybody. And then they hand him a one-game suspension. I think that's, I think that's bull crap. I don't know what your thoughts – what were your thoughts on that whole Tim Anderson, Brad Keller situation? I mean, you know, when you bat flip a home run in the second or third inning, you got to know what's coming yeah. for you. So I, mean, I don't know why he was flipping, so upset. Yeah, exactly. When these guys um, are but flipping I agree. the bats, they know what's going to happen. They know the consequences. But, uh, you know, as far as the suspensions handed out, I mean, that's about as minimum suspension as you can give somebody when you suspend a pitcher five days and a 
a batter one game. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not overly upset about it. Uh, you know, if this would have been a longer suspension, you know, maybe three or three games or so, kind of like what we saw at the peak, I would be more upset then. Um, but at the same time, like you said, you're promoting this whole mantra that these kids let the kids play, you know, let them enjoy this moment, let baseball become a little more flashy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go out and you suspend a guy. It, on the onset, it looked like he was suspended because of the, flip. the bat flip. But I think once you once you break down kind of their reasoning behind it, it was because of what he said afterwards. Yeah. Um, and that's where I draw – that's where I have a huge um, – that's where I'm kind of upset about because we all know if situations were different, there would be different suspensions handed out. Uh, but that's, that's kind of just playing the card there. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's one game. It's not that big a deal to me. I, right. I think it's kind of been blown a little bit out of proportion. Um, you know, I, I personally don't think you should bat flip a home run you hit in the second inning. No. Um, it's not like the guy had showed you up, you know, in the previous game and you were kind of getting back at him. Right. It's a little unwarranted, I think. If it's, you know, bottom of the eighth, bottom of the seventh, bottom of the ninth, walk off, maybe, then absolutely I'm for that. You know, yeah. it's a big pivotal moment in the game. But bottom of the second inning or third inning or whatever it was, you know, it's a little unnecessary. And I think that is kind of asking for controversy at that oh. point. Yeah, that's the uh, the home runs in the second and third and early in the games. That those are the ones where I agree with what uh, Randall Grichik said about act like you've been there before. Like, come on, man. it's a home run and like you let off the game with a home run. You know, act like you've right. Been and there it's before, and it's a little different for me because I know we talked about the Dietrich one um, a little while back. Dietrich hit that ball almost 500 feet. <laughs> yeah. Now that to me is monumental the in the game. Yeah. You, you give up a, a pitch that goes 500 feet, you deserve to get bat flipped on and the player, yeah. person. And he didn't even bat flip. You know, he just sat there and stared Watched it down. Go into the Allegheny it. River. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it nearly cleared the bridge out there in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's so. just a very situational thing. Right. But, uh, kind of moving on from that, Chris Davis finally ended his 0 for 54 streak with a base hit against the Red Sox. The other Chris Davis, Chris with a K, signed a two-year extension with Oakland. I'm sure they'll be glad to have him around a little longer. Um, Was it worth $24.7 million? That's something I need to know. It's a lot of money. No, I'm asking if it was. You know, his whole 247 number, that's that's his go-to. That's his average. So I'm I'm wondering if that's his average uh, salary (laughs) Salary, per year now. It should be, for sure. I don't know what it is, but uh, it should be. some kind of cool news. Carlos Santana of the Indians took the oath today and became a U.S. citizen. So congrats to him. That's pretty neat. Uh, passed the passed the citizenship test. Um, and then Blake Swihart, who got DFA'd by the Red Sox, is now in Arizona. Always been a guy that's had some talent, but just never really put it all together. Maybe he can out there in the desert. Um, and then as far as teams go, He's playing well. The Rays are the only team in the AL East over 500 right now. They got a five and a half game lead over the Yankees, who are in second at eight and ten. Uh, Cleveland has won three straight. They're on top of the Central at 11 and seven. Houston reeled off a 10 game win streak, um, and they're 12 and six now. The Mariners are trying to keep pace with them. They're 14 and eight, and they just keep on hitting dongs. I, I still think their streak is going, ain't it? With their home run streak? Uh, no, I think it ended last night. 
Ended last night. Yep. I think so. I'll check. I'll get the intern on that one. Yeah, get him um, on But that. I'm pretty sure that it ended last night. Dodgers have won five straight. They're 13-8. and eight. They got Kershaw back. <clears throat> Puig welcomed him back with a home run the other night. That was pretty awesome. Um, and the Padres are right there behind them, still playing pretty good ball. They're 11-9. and nine, but They've lost four in a row. And the NL Central and NL East are starting off about as tight as we thought they were going to be. Both of those divisions, four out of five teams, are 500 or better, with only the Marlins and the Reds not being uh, not playing 500 ball. Uh, the two biggest disappointments so far have got to be the Red Sox at six and 13, and the Rockies at seven and 12. Only Baltimore has given up more runs than Boston so far, and only five teams have scored less runs than the Rockies, which is supposed to be their strength. So not to uh, not really playing great there in Boston or Colorado. Um, and then as far as some players that are playing real well right now, uh, as we all know, if you follow my Twitter feed, that Christian Yelich has been absolutely wrecking me. He has eight home runs in seven games versus the Cardinals this year. Um, Cardinals getting some good production from Ozuna. He's got eight home runs over his past week. Uh, Jose Altuve hit his 100th home run. He's up to seven on the year. He's absolutely raking right now. And then uh, uh, Cody Bellinger, Tim Anderson, Jeff McNeil, and Jorge Polanco are all still over 400 averages on the year. Some pitchers that are off to good starts, Joe Musgrove, Max Freed, Zach Davies, Tyler Glasnow, uh, Luis Castillo, Matt Schumacher, Marcus Stroman, Shane Bieber, and Colin McHugh all have ERAs under two. And Musgrove and Freed, I think, are both under one still. And, Blake, I'm going to give you a one guess. Who do you think two pitchers have nine saves apiece? Who do you think they are? Well, I know one's not Edwin Diaz because I have the Mets, and I've been keeping up with him a little bit. Um, two pitchers with nine saves. Yep, leading the league with nine saves. One's in the AL mm. and one's in the NL. I'm going to guess whoever Seattle's closer is now right now because mm-hmm. um, I know they've been playing pretty well. And then I'm going to go National League. I'm going to go with uh, – hmm. I'm feeling like it's NL West, but I'm not – let's go with let's, – let's go with Jansen. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea, to be honest with you. Who is it? The – Detroit Tigers have won nine games, and Shane Green has saved Green. every one of them. And in the National League, Kirby Yates for the Padres has got nine. I, I was in the right division. You were in the right division. Definitely was surprised when I saw Shane Green and Kirby Yates pacing the league in saves so far. The Tigers have won nine games? They have won nine games. They're nine and nine. <laughs> I know Shane Green got a nice little bump up on the – here in the last week or so on MLB The Show. Yep. Um, so. It helps whenever you're saving every one of your team's wins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they're not good enough to break away from people, so he's right. probably going to have plenty of save opportunities. That was kind of Edwin Diaz's situation last year with the Mariners. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, we're going to, with that, I think uh, that's pretty much all the big news. Did I miss anything from this week? Nothing that about covers all the headlines. 
Good deal. All right. Well, MLB goes. Let's get into our two teams of the week, the Rays and the Mets. Blake, I went first last week, so I'll let you lead off with the New York Mets this week. Uh, what's going on up there in Queens? All right. So the Mets, you know, when we picked up last Thursday, they were in the middle of a four-game series with the Braves, and they ended up winning the first two games of that series. But that's not when I started picking them up. Um, the next two games, they ended up losing – uh, 11 to 7 and 7 to 3. I don't have all the numbers exactly from that game, but um, DeGrom uh, against the Braves did not look very good, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to get his pitching numbers up. Okay, so Vargas threw uh, game one and lasted one third of an inning with three walks and four earned runs. Um, it that was kind of the same game with the Mets and the Braves kind of had the same ordeal. Both starters, neither starters went over an inning and a third. Um, Newcomb also uh, did not perform very well in that game. Two walks, four earned runs. The Braves jumped out to a quick four to zero lead in the first inning, um, and then gave it right back up in the top of the second. So you know it was mostly a bullpen game for the Mets, and that's where Corey Oswalt uh, came in, and he did. Just about as bad as you could expect. Um, a guy coming in throwing more than an inning out of the pen. Gave up five earned runs, four walks, and a homer. Um, so that that really put a strain on uh, their bullpen because they had uh, Oswalt, Avilon, and Gazelman all through at least two innings apiece um, in game one. And then in game two, that was the game that DeGrom pitched, and I believe that was on Sunday night, I think. It was on Sunday night baseball. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly. if. Yeah, it was. Um, and the Braves uh, pretty much handled that one from – I'm trying to get the exact numbers up right now. Um, but they took that one to split the series right there. So the Mets, you know, win the first two and then – you know, all they got to do is win one more to take that series. DeGrom went five innings with four walks and three earned runs. Gave up two homers. Um, something looked a little off for DeGrom that night. I mean, now we know that he actually was dealing, I guess, at that time, too, with strep throat, I think was the prognosis. And now, um, as you said, DeGrom going to get an MRI last night, I think, is when it was, or early this morning. Um, yeah. Results are negative, but he has some elbow issues. He said, quote, his elbow was screaming at him or shouting, I guess was the exact term, um, when he went to throw today. Um, he was actually scheduled to pitch Saturday, I believe, against the Cardinals, which would be tomorrow. And he's going to miss that start. Like you said, they placed him on the injured list, so not a good sign for Mets fans. You know, this has kind of been the Mets' way of old. You know, they have a lot of talent. Um, they start producing a little bit, and then injury hits them. The injury bug comes and hits them. Um, so DeGrom now looking like he's only going to miss one start. At least that's what I read today from, um, I think it was Joel Sherman that put that out. The Mets say they're going to retroactivate uh, that injury list to a few days ago so he'll be able to make not his next start but the one after that yeah. um, so lucky for Cardinals fans they're going to miss DeGrom this go around um, with that being said they do start a four game series in St. Louis tonight or three game series in St. Louis tonight 
Um, and a guy that I really would look to dominate in the series, and he really has done it a lot so far this year, is Pete Alonzo. I know you've been really high on him coming out of spring training. He just absolutely kills the baseball. He's slugging yep. 708 right now. Um, he's leading the team in homers, RBIs. Um, On-base percentage is up there at 413. He's got a 1.1 OPS. I mean, he's just absolutely killing the baseball right now. Um, you know, you look at Conforto starting off hot as well. He's hitting 323. I think he's got five homers as well. Um, and he's his OPS is over one. So two really good pieces right there that are performing well. And and then another piece in the bullpen, um, you know, Diaz that they acquired from Seattle, um, pretty I would say probably the most important piece in that deal. Uh, he has been absolutely lights out so far. A 17.6 K9 right now with six saves. Uh, I know he came in to face the Braves, um, I think, in the second game of that series. It was the day game, I believe it was on. It may have been the first game on that Thursday. Um, but he he was untouchable. When I watched him, his stuff just moves so much, and he throws it so hard. Yeah. Um, an excellent guy to have at the back end. But like I talked about with DeGrom and the injury situation, this Mets team is really beat up. You look at, of course, Cespedes, still not expected to be back until just about August, um, you know, with the surgery that he had this offseason. Jed Lowry, their acquisition that they got in free agency this offseason, they're not expecting him to be back until middle of May. Um, so, in which they have some good – good pieces on that infield um, with Ahmed Rosario who played it pretty good in that brave series. He had a Homer and a couple of RBIs. JD Davis, also another guy who's really performed well for him this year. He's hitting 283. He's got three homers, had one in the brave series. Yeah. Um, And then of course, Robinson Cano, not, not playing very well right now, but you know what you can get from him. And we know what he did in the first half of last season before he got busted with PEDs. Um, And then Jeff McNeil, you know, a super utility guy off the bench who can lead off and can play just about anywhere on the field. Um, His OBP is up near 500 and his, he has a 424 batting average and almost 60 at bats. Um, So a lot of pieces there. Once they get um, Lowry back, they're going to have a lot of questions about who's going to be playing the most, Um, because Todd Frazier's out right now as well. Um, You would expect the respect that he garners. He would get that first chance at third base most of the time. Once he comes back, maybe slide J.D. Davis back to a more of a bench role. So they got a lot of good pieces right now. Um, But uh, another guy they acquired this offseason, Jerry's Familia, has been absolutely abysmal in the bullpen. Um, I know he – he had some command issues early on in his tenure with the Mets when he first was called up. And then last year had really a breakout year when they traded him to Oakland and went to Oakland and did some good things. But then they reacquired him in free agency this offseason. Um, he's given up six earned runs and in eight innings with nine walks. Yikes. He does have 10 strikeouts. Um, so the strikeout numbers are there. But, you know, the nine walks and eight innings, some command issues there. Um, he gave up a few runs in the Braves series as well. Um, another guy in their pen, Seth Lugo, you know, we talk about, we talked about it at the start of it when we previewed the NL East, you know, the question for the Mets, we know their rotation is good, but it's yeah. going to be that fifth guy in the rotation at, at the time. And now it's still Vargas and that's, who's going to start tonight. Um, I really think this could be his last start in that rotation. If he doesn't perform well, 
Um, cause Corey Oswalt, the guy I was telling you about who came out of the pen for the brave series, he, uh, he's actually seen some rumblings on Twitter and, um, through watching the games and kind of talk, listening to some of their, uh, analysts talk, you know, he might be a chance. He might get a chance to get a spot start at that fifth spot and maybe figure something out. Um, obviously you know with Dallas Keiko is still out there. Um, they could make a play for him. Um, another guy, Seth Lugo in the pen who potentially could get stretched out. I know he started some games in his career. Um, he's struggling in the pen. So maybe do they send him down, stretch him out and give him, you know, kind of a, a, f- a breath of fresh air and come in the rotation instead of coming out of the pen. Cause he's not pitching well out of the pen right now. Um, yep. So, you know, uh, other than DeGrom, I think this team is, is set up pretty well. They're only a game out of first place in the NL East right now behind the Phillies. And they just finished up a series with the Phillies. Um, in which they lost two out of three, I believe. Um, yeah, that's right. They they lost two out of three, so they were tied for first place going into that into that uh, series, um, and then lost two out of three. So that's why they're one behind. Um, but if you look after this Cardinals uh, Cardinal series, the Phillies are right there again in New York. So a chance to kind of reclaim some of that first place glory that they had just a few days ago. Um, going forward, like I said, they've got a lot of pieces on that infield, um, whether it's Lowry when he gets healthy because we all know he can hit. Yeah. Um, Rosario playing well. Robinson Cano can make a bounce back. Pete Alonzo having a rookie of the year year basically right now. Um, they've got a lot of good pieces offensively. We know what their rotation is, at least the top three. Um, but an, another – this is this is kind of not a norm. Um, I thought this was just interesting. So if you look at – um, Steven Matz pitched against the Phillies, I think it was two days ago. Um, he went 0.0 innings and <laughs> gave up six runs or eight oh. runs and six earned. Um, so his his ERA for that game was infinity. Um, but, I mean, that's just kind of one of those games. I'm not going to take a whole lot of value in it. Yeah. That's one of those games where you just you just didn't have it. Your, the ball wasn't moving, whatever the case may be. You just didn't have it that night. Um, they ended up losing that game 14-3. to three. Uh, He he only walked one batter in that entire series. They've given up six earned runs, gave up two home runs. Um, so they were just hitting him hard. It wasn't like it was a command issue or anything. Right. Um, He's just so hit. they just they – just, I mean, you talk about the Phillies lineup, it might be one of the deepest lineups in all of baseball, especially yeah. one through five. I would say it is the deepest. Yeah. Um, when you're going with uh, Harper, Rio Muto, and then you've got Segura and McCutcheon at the top, and then, oh, yeah, Hoskins yeah. is penciled in in the middle somewhere there. That's that's yeah. really tough lineup to work your way around. Um, so I wouldn't sure. read too much to that. So I think the top four in this rotation with – um, DeGrom, if he's healthy, and I think he will be, Syndergaard, yeah. uh, Mats, and Wheeler, I think are, are as good as you're going to get one to four in baseball. Yeah. Um, but then figuring that fifth spot out, I think, is their biggest concern going forward. And, and seeing if these guys in the pen can turn things around, and I think they will. Um, but going forward, I think the Mets, I, I, I can't remember our predictions, but I'm feeling like I picked them to win the division. Yeah, um, just because of the depth that they have in that lineup, and then the great starting pitching that they have. So I still, I'm still standing by that. I still think they've, they've uh, got a great chance to do that. Um, even though they have looked kind of rough, they've lost four of their last five. But I mean, 
that's just kind of how baseball goes sometimes. Sometimes you just don't have it for a week. So very true. And they've they've uh, spotted they've spotted Vargas a three zero lead through two innings already. And Davis and Cano have both knocked in runs. So off to a good start against the Cards tonight. Um, but I had the Rays this week and. Uh, folks, if you didn't know, Tampa Bay Rays are the best team in baseball right now at 14 and five. They got a five and a half game lead in the American League East, which is easily the biggest in baseball. Um, they went four and two this week. They won two out of three in Toronto, and then they took two out of three against the Orioles. Um, and then they're starting a series with Boston tonight. They're down four two right now. We've got three with Boston, three with Kansas City, and then three more with Boston, um, and then four more with Kansas City. So they're going to be playing Boston and Kansas City a lot in the next two weeks. Um, uh, on Wednesday, they destroyed poor David Hess, and they hit – this was an awesome stat to me. They hit – as a lineup, as a team, they hit 16 balls that had exit velos over 100 miles an hour. I mean, they were just hammering the piss out of the ball against poor Hess. Um, they did just lose Blake Snell. He went to the injured list with a fractured toe. He dropped a granite bathroom stand on his toe. But like the Grom, he's only expected to miss one start, so he should be back soon. Uh, they have a plus 46 run differential, and they've only given up 49 runs so far. Both of those are best in the MLB. And, uh, you know, usually when you think about the Rays, they've always had good pitching, right? That's, you know, they've always had real good pitching. Yeah, this team can score runs. They've scored 95, which is the third best in the AL. And, oh, yeah, they play pretty good defense, too. Seven errors is the third best in the major leagues as well. So just an all-around really solid ball club. And a lot of these guys, you probably don't know their names and, you know, all seven Rays fans that go to the trop to watch games are getting they're getting a good show. So we'll just start with kind of the pitching um, that's been absolutely dominant for Tampa. Snell in four games is two and one, ERA two point one six, WHIP point seven six. He's got thirty six strikeouts and four walks in twenty five innings. He has given up six runs on the year, and he gave up five of those in his first start against Houston. So he's given up one run since then in 19 innings. Uh, Tyler Glasnow, who came over last year with Austin Meadows in the Chris Archer trade, is 4-0 in four starts. His ERA is 1.13, and his whip is .88. He struck out 24 in 24 innings. And then uh, one of their bigger free agent signings, Charlie Morton, coming over from Houston. He's 2-0 with a 2.1 ERA, whip of 1.16, and 25 strikeouts. Um, and then you get to the real nasty guys. So that's their three three best starters. But really where Tampa is nasty is that bullpen, man. Diego Castillo, Jose Alvarado, and Ryan Stanick are three of the nastiest pitchers in the big leagues, and they're all in the Rays' pen. Um, Castillo has a .82 ERA and whip, both .82. He's got 10 Ks in 11 innings, 
Alvarado has yet to give up a run so far in nine innings. He's got 16 strikeouts in nine innings. Uh, and then Stanek, they use him as the opener sometimes, and then he also pitches late, and he has 13 Ks in nine innings and a .86 whip. They're just shut down, man. I, I don't know where all these nasty dudes came from, but Tampa just breeds pitchers. And I saw a uh, pitching the, the pitching ninja on Twitter did a side-by-side of Alvarado and Castillo, and their deliveries and their motions to the plate are identical. It's almost like Tampa just cloned these dudes, and they all have nasty <laughs> splitters and sinkers, and they all throw 100-plus miles an hour. It's almost unfair. Um, but the, the real surprising thing with this race team, because like I said, we know that they can pitch, but this offense is good. It is really good. And thank good, you know, I didn't know that I would say thank goodness the Pirates got Chris Archer because Archer is super good. But thank goodness the Pirates got rid of Tyler Glassdown and Austin Meadows because those two guys have found a home in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know, Meadows was one of Meadows was one of Pittsburgh's top prospects, but never really got a chance there. This year so far, 18 games, he's got 17 RBI, six home runs, three steals. And he's hitting 364, OBP of 432. Absolutely raking, setting the table for that team. You know, you said that uh, you think best outfield in that division. Right mm-hmm. now, the way Mookie's playing, I think, uh, you know, the Red Sox outfield very talented. But right now, the Rays outfield may be the best in that division. You have Meadows raking. And then you have Tommy Pham who uh, had a 48-game on-base streak dating back to last year. It just ended, but then, oh, the night after it ended, he went four for five. He's hitting 286, OPS 814 in 18 games, three homers, nine RBIs, stolen six bases. The dude is easily a 2020 threat. Um, Plays great defense, always plays balls to the wall. And then even Kevin Kiermaier's hitting – uh, 280 right now through 18 games. If you're getting 280 out of Kiermaier, that's a win because you know it's a five win player or four or five win player if you factor in his defense, man. Yeah, uh, it's a guy that's won a platinum glove. Any, any type of offense you get from him is is gravy. Uh, he's hit two homers and two triples. Uh, Avisel Garcia hitting the ball pretty well coming over from Chicago. He hit a 447 foot home run the other night. One of those uh, smoked balls off David Hess. And then uh, one of the kind of under-the-radar guys, I think he won won him over in spring training, Brandon Lowe. 18 games so far. He's got five homers, 13 RBIs, hitting 277. He struck out 25 times, which is concerning. That's that's a lot of strikeouts. But uh, just another weapon for him. He's been playing – He's been playing some second and third, I think. And they just got Joey Wendell back, who hit last year was in that rookie of the year conversation, hit really well. You know, if it wasn't for uh, Otani and and Andujar, kind of got overlooked by them two a little bit. But he had a really nice rookie season. They just got him back from like a strained calf or, or something um, but he'll he'll move over to second, and I think then Brandon Lowe and Yandy Diaz will be splitting time at third and 
and first. And Yandy Diaz is the guy that leads the way in those hard hit balls. This dude is absolutely yoked and just hits lasers. He's got four home runs for him. Um, they need to get they need to get Willie Adamas going at short. He struck out 22 times so far in 18 games. And then they need to get uh, Mike Zanino going. He has hit only 196 and has zero home runs for him. So not even showing off that power. Um, they need to get those two guys going. And, and if they do, you know, watch out for this team, man, because they're, they're a fun team. Nobody really watches them. They don't get any type of respect in the division they're in with, with Boston and New York. Even though Tampa's playing so well, the talk is just about how terrible Boston's been or how injured the Yankees have been. And next week it's going to be all about Vlad Jr. Um, but I think that they kind of like that. They kind of embrace that identity of, um, you know, don't, don't give us any type of recognition. Let us just fly under the radar and be super good. Uh, did anybody think Blake Snell was going to win the Cy Young last year? Uh, doubtful. But uh, this is a really good team. I know I think I picked them to win a wild card this year. Um, I still think that they're, they're definitely, I think at worst, a wild card team and definitely a contender for the AL East. Um, yeah, and I mean, if you think about how Boston's playing right now, it you know, they could turn that thing a into a two-team race. Yeah, Boston is digging themselves a hole. You know, divisions are never – they're never won in April and May, but uh, they, they can be lost in April and May, I think, if you get far enough behind. So, fun team to keep up with this week, 8-2 and two in their last 10. Got some big series against Boston coming up. Uh, they could extend their lead and push Boston even deeper down. Um, but, yeah, good week. Uh Hopefully the Mets will lose tonight. That would be nice. Uh, you got anything else for MLB? No, I mean, uh, we did have a question come in. I don't know if you wanted to attack that now or yeah, do you want to wait to the other side. No, let's go ahead and, and take it on now. Uh, All right. So we had a question come in from one of our patrons, Scott Jeffcoat, um, SOC campus minister. I'm going to pull up the direct quote um, he had, if I can get to it. Here we go. Um, so he wanted to know, uh, so as far as, um, ballparks and pitchers and such, um, or, or batters, for example, um, when, when terms are used like, uh, that player would be really nice in that ballpark, or for example, mm -hmm. when Daniel Murphy signed with the Rockies, a lot of people said, you know, man, he's going to hit 30 home runs this year. Yeah. Um, I guess he kind of wanted us to talk about in a little detail. Um, what's what's the difference in ballparks and not just as far as the dimensions go? We can all kind of decipher if it's a shorter porch and right, like in, uh, yeah. in Yankee Stadium. Of course, it's going to be easier for lefties that can pull and righties that hit opposite field to hit homers. But what are kind of some other tr attributing factors um, to that? And, and I kind of wanted to throw this in there too and how, how do we – adjust that for hitters as far as their value so ben i'll let you attack it first uh that's a really great like that's a good question um because kind of what he said like the common fan they assume every ballpark is kind of the same um but they're really not and then just using you know 
that Daniel Murphy uh, in Colorado, we all know the ball flies out because of altitude. Altitude is one thing that affects um, affects hitters and pitchers both in Colorado. It, it's amazing what their staff has been doing because of the Coors effect, which I don't really think is as dramatic as some people think. And it's definitely not as dramatic as it used to be. Um, but you have, some parks have have turf fields like Tampa and Toronto um, that that changes the way the ball the ball plays off the infield. The Cardinals just played in Mexico, and their entire field, even the outfield, was turf, and the ball was taking crazy hops. That that changes the way you play defense. Mm. Um, and then certain parks, you know, because of the dimensions of the field, the outfield plays bigger. There's more ground to cover. Uh, some parks have more foul ground. You know, like like Fenway and uh, Fenway has the pesky pole down there where you have to basically hook it down right field to hit a home run. And the opposite side, they have the green monster that you have to hit it over um, or even has, hit into to get a base hit. Yeah. Yeah. You might hit one off the wall at Fenway. Most places you hit one off the wall. It's a double. You, you get a single there at Fenway. Um, Wrigley Field has absolutely no foul territory down the lines. Oakland has monstrous amounts of foul territory uh, where the park is located. You know, you have like uh, San Francisco is right there on the bay and the wind from the bay can kill balls. Wrigley Field today, the wind at in Chicago played havoc with the Diamondbacks on a pop up and it fell and two runs scored. So there's there's all kinds of factors like geographical and, you know, not just the dimensions of the park where the park's located all kinds of stuff that plays into how how baseball is played in certain parks. And I think that's one of the things we talked about it the other night. There's no other sport that has parks like the MLB. Each each stadium has its own identity. And it's just that's one of the cool things that I love about uh, about baseball. So what are your thoughts on that question? Right. I mean, you kind of hit it on the head there. Um, I'd kind of take it more of a scientific approach here. <clears throat> If you think about um, the air is really the most attributing factor other than the dimensions of the field. Um, you think about the reason Coors Field uh, is such a hitter-friendly park is because of the altitude. And what, what it means by altitude is the air is thinner. Mm -hmm. um, so you think about, um, you think about, let's say, for example, you had two swimming pools that were lined up. One is full of maple syrup uh, and one is full of water. If you throw a baseball into both of those pools at the same speed, the one that goes into the maple syrup is obviously going to slow down a lot faster. The one that goes into the water is not. So mm. when you think about the air and the thinness of the air, um, as you get higher, the air gets thinner. Obviously, um, the ball can travel a lot more, a lot freer, if that makes sense. Um, you talk about moisture in the atmosphere. That can be something that can slow a ball down as far as the humidity. Um, you talk about... Uh, and that that that's attributing to um, day or night games. You talk about hot yep. or cold. If the hotter it is, the better the baseball travels. Um, the cold air can dense the air up a lot more and can slow the baseball down. That's why in day games you see the ball get absolutely demolished, that's but in true. night games you see a ball that could have been out five hours ago is no longer an out is no longer a home run. It's now yep. a, a line out to left field. Um, you talk about. Petco is known to be a pitcher's park, and that's because of the air coming off of um, the marine air coming off of uh, the Pacific Ocean there. 
is thicker and can help slow the ball down. The same situation you can have in San Francisco where the air blowing off the cove can can uh, can slow the ball down. Um, you think about target field, which is, I mean, no one can really determine. It's not really a very popular stadium, but a lot of stats that I've read about it contribute it to as much of a park factor as Yankee Stadium because of where it is and its location and the density of the air up there. Um, so a lot of different things other than just dimensions play into um, a park's factor. And that's why one of my favorite stats is weighted runs created plus WRC plus. And I talk about it a lot on here and that's because it takes into account the, the part that you play at. So a guy who hits 30 home runs at Yankee stadium um, could, could have the same WRC plus as a guy who hits, you know, let's say 18 at Petco. Yeah. Um, and I don't know those numbers exactly, but it, there is a, a factor inside of that um, equation for that sabermetric stat to attribute, just just see the pure value of the player, regardless of where they play. Um, and the league average of that is at 100. So anything less than that, obviously, is a low value. Anything greater than that is above average. Um, to make, give some sense to that, I was reading where Ronald Acuna, up until – uh, before yesterday's game had, I believe, a 175 WRC plus, which mm-hmm. is insanely high. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know what Dan Vogelbacks is right now, too, but that's to be discussed for another day. Um, but just a lot of different factors other than just dimensions, just other than what you can really, I guess, see with your own eyes um, that attribute to what makes a park easier for a hitter. And then we haven't even talked about it, what makes it more difficult for a pitcher. Yeah. Um, like you said, Colorado's staff has done some amazing things. Um, you think about um, – I try to remember the guy's name who used to pitch there. Ubaldo Jimenez was kind of really the only Rockies pitcher that you can remember in recent years who was able to have success at home because um, of how hitter-friendly that park is. Um, you think about the success that uh, DJ LeMahieu had there. Um, and then now I know – it's not really translating all that well, and I think he's actually hurt at the moment. I can't remember exactly. But, I mean, he plays for the Yankees, so there's a good chance that he is hurt, obviously, at this point yeah. in the season. Um, but just think about uh, players that leave hitter-friendly parks and go to hitter-non-friendly parks and vice versa. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a lot of factors, um, and I can't. Yeah. we can't sit here and go through all of them. But I think, you know, you talk about um, the time of the game, the altitude of the, the – the, um, the stadium where it's at, um, the weather, the wind of the day, like even the wind. Yeah. I know it's something as simple as a wiffle ball game outside. If the wind is blowing out, that ball is going to carry. It's just, yeah. it's just a factor that you have to put into the equation. I um, mean, that's something that they don't factor into any stats as far as I'm concerned of is the actual wind of the day that that ball was hit. Um, that'd be a lot of detail to get into. Yeah. Um, you wanna, so there's kind of my elongated answer to that question. Yeah, yeah, that was a good question. You want to take a guess at Dan Vogelbach's uh, WRC plus? I'm gonna say 148. Higher. Higher. 160. Higher. 180. <laughs> higher. <laughs> no way. What is it? There's fan, no way it's higher than that. On fan graphs, they have it at 251. Holy cow! <laughs> That's two times the average. That's 2.5 <laughs> times the average MLB players. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Talk about a guy who's having a breakout year for the yeah. Mariners. Yeah, very good. Annual very good. Uh, very good. Uh, hits hits taters, as Ty would say, taters only. Um, but that pretty much wraps up the great question from Scott. Good discussion on the race. Who we got next week? Uh, I'm trying. I was trying to pull that up. We'll uh, we'll, we'll throw it out there in the next segment. We'll throw I'll get it, it pulled we'll throw up it out for there. us. We're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna uh, head on out the door when we get back. So stick with us. Easter edition of Enfield Fly. Yeah, I hope yeah. the Easter Bunny brings all of you plenty of candy to rot your teeth out. Um, Snickers eggs, Reese's eggs, all the egg flavor, uh, all the original chocolate bars that are in egg form are fantastic. Um, I don't know what it is about the shape, or I guess it's the dimension of peanut butter to chocolate in the Reese's egg that makes them so good. Um, so I don't know if you've seen the Reese's pe- or the Reese's Pieces Reese's where it has the pieces of it in yeah. the Reese's cup. Yeah, that is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Why would you do yeah. that? I'm not. That a makes fan no of sense. Yeah, I, I don't even really like the big cut Reese's either. I think that's too much peanut butter for the chocolate. See, I'm a big ratio guy when it comes to my Reese's. Uh, so the that's I guess why I love the, the eggs. eggs. They have the perfect ratio. Yeah. Um, so I also like the chocolate covered marshmallow bunny Ooh. things that you get, you know, and like the little rectangle yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah. Those are really good too. Yeah. And then the, the egg candy or the egg gum that you get in the little carton of egg things. Those are good too. They, and they last like, like fruit stripe gum flavor, yeah. basically. But I'm a big, good uh, stuff. Dark, I'm a big, uh, dark chocolate guy. I like, I like dark. Yeah. Chocolate. Yeah. I figured you would be. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's typically what you go for, I would imagine. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Well, folks, dwindling down the episode here. Plenty of MLB talk in the segment before this. Next week, Ben, you have the – remind Twins. me again, I Twins. forgot. Twins, and right. You are – You've got – I'm the twins. I, I just, we just talked about it. I know. I just told Freak. you. I'm the Angels. I'm the Angels. American Angels, League. two AL teams next week. Watch I my boy, watch. Byron Buxton. All right. You watch Byron Buxton, the poor man's Mike Trout, and I watch the real <laughs> man's Mike Trout. Mike Trout and Andrelton Ooh. Simmons, who I'm very disappointed, just got demoted on Diamond Dynasty to a goal player, and I just got him as a diamond. Could have sold him and made about 6,000 stubs. Did not. Um, learn. We don't really have a ton of questions this week that make any that are worth anything. Um, but we do got two. One of them I'm going to steal for the out the door because it was a question okay. from me. Um, but, Ben, big show player. Know you are, too. Yep. First yep. year playing Diamond Dynasty. I already know the answer to this. Overrated, underrated for Diamond Dynasty so far. Oh, it's very underrated. It is. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. It's really the first time me and you have ever done it. 
we've always been big franchise guys road to the show. I don't even really play road to the show that much. I mostly just play franchise mm-hmm. and, I just play random games, random play now games. <laughs> yeah, he just plays Mariners versus the Astros on a Tuesday night just because, yeah. you know, why it's not fun. Mike yeah. Leake? Why not? I love love Mike Leake. He's awesome. But, uh, yeah, no, Diamond Dynasty is a ton of fun. I'm glad that we're both into it now. I'm glad Ty kind of talked me into playing it. Um, it's I, I, I was looking at my, you know, if you go on your profile, you can see the hours that you played the game and what the breakdown is. I'm almost embarrassed to say that I'm like almost at three. I, I probably am at three days now after last night. I think I put in like three days into Diamond Dynasty so far. Sweet mother. <laughs> don't, don't act like you're that far behind me because I'm only, <laughs> I'm only 54 minutes away from four days. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Mine may <laughs> even be more than three days. Honestly, I'll have to check it tonight and see. But, uh, I mean, we've been grinding. We've been grinding hardcore. Um, we're both going to be level 100 soon on bronze and move up to the silver stage. So, it's it's awesome. I love it. I love the, you're at- the throwback cards, getting the throwback players, um, the, the challenge of getting all the cards, completing your collections. It's just – it's so much fun, man. And, and building your team up and then and – then, playing against somebody else with your team against their team that they've built this is everything that goes into it man it's so much fun you're at two days 19 hours so i'm on i'm a i'm a good bit ahead of you um but i will say i don't know if it counts it up or not but i leave my playstation running quite a bit which is probably why it's so loud when i play now Um, yeah but like if i go do something i just leave it like if i need to go to town or something i just leave it running i'll feel like turning it off turning it back on So it probably is a little skewed as far as that. I don't don't really have four days put in it, I hope. Um, but no, it's it's the most underrated game mode I've ever played in any game ever in the history of forever. I never thought when I, I've been playing the show since basically it came out now. Um, and I don't remember exactly when Diamond Dynasty started, but it's been at, at least three or four years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even the guys who played Diamond Dynasty say that this is the best form of Diamond Dynasty that's ever come out. Um, but just the, the throwback players, the legends, I mean, just like when we were growing up as kids, I don't know about you, but I never really collected. I mean, I had a ton of baseball cards, but it wasn't like a collection type thing for me. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of kind of the generation before us where they were looking for cards and they would have binders full of collections of cards, entire rosters, even. Um, this is kind of like the new generation's way of doing that in a little bit of a way, except yep. you actually get to play with the players. So it's kind of tying it yep. all in full circle here. Um, so if you were a big collector of cards, I highly recommend playing Diamond Dynasty. Um, you know, it just keeps you familiar with players in the past and players that are playing now. And it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the addictive. best things, one of the best things about it is that you don't, yeah, it helps to be good because you can complete the moments and the challenges and get the cards, but you don't mm-hmm. have to be good. Like you get rewards just for leveling up and just playing the just for playing the game. Right. You can work your way up to getting a signature Kershaw card, which is the best pitcher in the history of the game. Just for playing. So it, it rewards you just for playing the game. You don't have to be a god at it. I, I wish that it wouldn't have 
microtransactions as far as buying stubs. I think that will make the game a lot yeah. better. I don't know how much that skews this, the community market. I think that it can inflate it a little bit. Um, obviously, you can't even think about people who put money into the game. I was watching a streamer who bought like a hundred over a hundred dollars worth of stubs, and to me, that's just no fun. No fun. I I have only bought one um, one pack of stubs in the history of playing the show, and that was to heal my road to the show player when I couldn't save it before he got hurt. Yeah. So I just. I think it's so much. It's more satisfying whenever you just earn everything that you get on there instead of buying it. So, yep. um, with that being said, the most expensive player on there right now is obviously Mike Trout, but he is really low considering where he's been. I think he's at the lowest buy now price that he's been in the entirety of this game being out, he's at 152,000 subs, which yeah. to translate that to real dollars, 1,000 subs is $1. Yeah. So he's at 152 real dollars um, to buy him right now. Madison Bumgardner, uh, the signature card, the new one of the new bosses, there is a sale now put in for him right now, meaning that you could sell him right now for this price if you had him. 250,000 stubs. That's just spiked because of the update today. But holy It is. But if I had that card right now, it would be nearly impossible to say no to that because you sell him, you get Mike Trout, you still have 100,000 stubs to do whatever the heck you want. Oh, heck yeah. Um, But we'll be playing that a lot. If you guys play it, hit us up. Get in the party with us. Chat with us. Friend us on PlayStation. Um, If you have an Xbox, I'm sorry. Yeah, if you have an Xbox, you know, you Go made stick, that mistake a long time RBI. ago. Play, play, play uh, 720p RBI baseball, yeah. and it's cartoon-like <laughs> characters. Um, yeah. So that's that's it as that's far as questions. Part. We had obviously the good question earlier about the ballpark. Um, yep. On that note, one of the best ballparks in the history of forever, Polo Grounds, is also in this game. You want to talk about dimensions making a difference? Yeah. Polo Grounds absolutely would be a huge factor. Um, you know, think of Giancarlo Stanton pulling balls down the left field line at Polo and how he could hit 50 home runs and his WRC plus would still be around 130. Yeah. That definitely would be doable. Um, I'm a big Polo grounds believer, Ben, you know it, talk about it all the time. That's why I love bringing it up any chance I get. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I got out the door this week. So Ben, being, being Easter that it is. You've already seen, I gave you kind of a little bit of a head start on it. <laughs> yeah. There has been a lot of slander since social media has been out about the candy peeps. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, people don't like them. And I just gross. cannot fathom that. I don't understand how you can't like a marshmallow that's covered in sugar. Like, what, what can you not like about that? Let me tell you, the best way to eat peeps is to throw them in the trash. Yeah, mm-hmm. peeps. That's are the best way to drink sweet tea. Okay, well, I would agree with that. I'm not a huge tea drinker. I'll drink it now and again, but peeps are an abomination. They're disgusting, man. It's oh, they're they're gross. They're What's gross. gross about them? All it is is a marshmallow with sugar on it. How can that be gross? And sitting out is oh, they're they're disgusting. I, peeps I, are gross. Look, I get it. If you they're you out of control. Peeps are but, out of control, man. There's there's all these different flavors, and people are making peeps donuts. 
it's like sticking like i don't know it's just gross they're gross when they get stale they're just like hard that's when they're even better they got the oh. hard shell on the oh. outside yes oh. yes Gross. I it's love like peeps. Putting a bunch of sugar in your mouth and swallowing it's diabetes it. straight to the mouth. I get it, but <laughs> they're good. They're so good. I love peeps, it's and I would like love it if someone got me peeps. some right now. Oh, gross! I'm not. A peeps I don't guy. get the peeps slander. I don't get it. It's just it's a marshmallow covered in sugar. How can that be gross? People love marshmallow. People love sugar. Put them together. It's not like a jelly in a fish. You're not putting jelly on a fish and trying to make it taste good. It's not jellyfish, all right? But it's marshmallow and sugar. That's it. How can that be gross? I just I don't fa- I can't fathom it. People hate them. I love them. I'd eat a hundred of them. T- uh, quick stat: two billion peeps <laughs> are made every oh single gosh, year. That is stupid. It takes, <laughs> it takes six seconds to make one peep. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. It's a little, oh, little fun for you. No, I'm not a peeps guy. Blake's a peeps guy. I'm not a peeps guy. It's a give me, the, give me those Cadbury cream eggs. Give me that uh, dark chocolate bunny. I'll pass. I'll pass on the peeps. No, I'm a peeps guy. I love peeps. Love the the little gum in the carton. Love yep. Reese's eggs. Oh, one of my new favorite. Um, New favorite Easter candies, and it's just come out in the last few years because Reese's Pieces is kind of taking off. I like Reese's Pieces. I don't like them in yeah. my Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Yeah, but the Reese's PC, the, <laughs> the Reese's PC that is in the little bag that looks like a carrot, those are good. I don't know what it is about them. I, just, I guess it's because I love Reese's Pieces, and I'm very OCD, so when you give me all the same color Reese's Pieces, I feel like they all taste the same then. <laughs> So it's more consistent, uh, but when you give me yellow, brown, and orange, <laughs> it just throws me it's off. Like, it's like saying all the green M and M's taste the same. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! You know what green M and M's are for? Let's not get into that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! There's a reason people eat the green M and M's. I'm just <laughs> telling you, there there is a reason. Oh me, yeah. We, we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> good show tonight. Um, Hope you all have a blessed Easter, Easter Sunday. Hope you don't eat any peeps if you're, you know, have a brain. Um, we look forward to talking about the twins and the the angels. Twins angels. The angels. Come on, man. You're the sleeping angels. on it here. Let's go. Angels. Shohei Otani took batting practice today. Yes. Maybe we'll talk about him a little bit tomorrow. I doubt uh, it. Yeah, I won't talk about not. him tomorrow. I might talk about him next week, though. Yeah, next week. Definitely not tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow we will be playing the show, grinding out. I will um, be working tomorrow night. So on Sunday, unlike Jesus did many, many years ago, I will actually be asleep <laughs> on Easter Sunday. We will not arise. <laughs> 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 oh, good good show tonight. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week. Have a great Easter, everybody. Uh, Blake, you got anything else? That's it, man. All right. Sounds good. Peace out, guys. Peace out, Girl Scout.